0: Listeners, a little bit about Stanford University. What's it like to be a student there?
1: All Stanford's amazing. Uh, The campus is beautiful. Uh, All your colleagues are super ambitious, super intelligent, off to change the world. But at the same time, it's it's a it's a college campus, so um, you can expect any like normal college campus things. Students actually sometimes skip school, or sometimes you know sleep in, or you know go out drinking. It's yep. just a normal college to uh, most of us here. And once you are in the environment, you kind of forget what the outside world may perceive Stanford because you're just a college student. You're just in your early 20s trying to learn a little bit more about who you are, um, what you want to do in your life. Um, but Stanford's great. The professors are all uh, people who write through textbooks, right? And uh, the peers that you have, although you can like, make fun of them, you can joke around with them, in 10, 20 years, you know, those are the people who are going to be changing the world. So it's fantastic.
0: Oh, man, that's exciting. Is is it as hard to get into Stanford as I've heard? Um,
1: I'm a little bit off, or like, I guess, five years uh, from the application process. I honestly, when I applied, I didn't expect um, much of it. I, uh, I come from North Carolina, um, and I always had thought I'd just go to school and north carolina find a job there like just settle down in that area but surprisingly uh i got into stanford and i was like hey let me see what california is all about oh
0: that's fantastic i've got several students who have talked about stanford as one of their dream schools so maybe mm -hmm. they'll be out there in a few years where where in north carolina are you from i'm from raleigh
1: so i went to (laughs) william g enloe i understand you're from wake forest
0: (laughs) i yep uh Um, I, I had no idea that you were from, from like this area, because we compete at the uh, Inlow Eagle Open. for the la- We've been there for the awesome. last four years.
1: I was the person who started that tournament in my senior year. What? Yeah.
0: This is amazing. Well, I'm yep. so glad that we ended up with this connection. <laughs>
1: it's a very small world.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good. Well, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to What's the res? an ongoing conversation about the current resolutions in the world of high school debate. My name is Josh Herring. I'm a debate coach and humanities instructor at Thales Academy in Rollsville, North Carolina. Today, my guest, as you've just heard, is a North Carolina native and now a California grad student, Albert Feng of Stanford University. Albert, welcome to What's the Res? Thank you so much for having me, Josh. So walk me through just a little bit more of your uh, your speech and debate background. Uh, When when were you at INLO? How did that go? Give us some of that story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was an NLO graduate in twenty fourteen. So I started my freshman year there twenty ten, and when I started uh, high school, I heard something about like public speaking and how that is important for like I guess life skills. And I think my parents heard the same thing. So I checked out the speech and debate club. I also checked out the student council uh, events that were going on. And so when I checked out the student council and uh, debate. Uh, I guess, clubs for debates, especially. I saw there was only like three or four people in the club. Um, so I thought it would be a great time to get involved because you get a really close-knit group of friends, as well as you would sort of learn together about what debate even was and uh, get better at public speaking at the same time.
0: Oh, man. So that that's fantastic. I, I'm encouraged to hear that because we used to be a club of about... I don't know, six or seven middle schoolers and two or three high schoolers. And we've grown wow. since then. So it sounds like Inlo was that size once upon a time. Yes. <laughs> uh, they hosted, uh, I think it was the third Dogwood debate tournament this past year. And wow. there were probably, I don't know, at least 20, maybe 30 students in Inlow t-shirts and somewhere between two and 300 students competing at the tournament that day. So it's certainly grown since then.
1: That makes me very happy to hear.
0: Did you know, um, I don't know her first name, I know her as Miss Justice, but I think she was the English teacher who was running it most recently. Did you know her, or was she after you were there?
1: She was after I was there. So the advisor I got closest to was Janice Thorson. She was also an English teacher at Enloe, and that's, that was the advisor for our club for, throughout my uh, sophomore, junior, and senior year.
0: Oh, so exciting. Well, what, what events did you compete in?
1: I participated mainly in public forum, and so for me, I had a really good friend who was also at MLO only for uh, freshman and sophomore year, and, and but we were we were, I guess, just uh, like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed freshmen, just trying to learn and see what debate was all about. Um, and I guess this is kind of transition transition to camps, which is another one of the topics we want to uh, focus on. Mm-hmm. And so after a freshman year. I guess I'll talk about our first ever debate tournament. I think that's a really interesting experience. That'd be great. So over there, we, Before the camp or before the tournament, uh, we read some PDFs about what debate was or what the format for Republic Forum was. We created our cases and uh, these are like quote unquote cases. Um, but what happened was these cases were less than four minutes. And then during like crossfire or like rebuttals, even though we had, I don't know, like four minutes or more to actually talk through our points, we finished with only like, we finished with like three minutes left. And we're like, okay, we're done. And so we just left or like we sat down and we're just waiting for the other team to start their own debate. So we really had no idea what was going on. We didn't know how effective our arguments were. At that time, we have no idea what answer twos were, like what dropbacks really was, like all all these things we didn't really have a sense of. Um, And so I guess it's a good time to transition to camps. Uh, so during that summer, between our freshman and sophomore years, my partner and I, we attended the Harvard debate camp, and during that time, we learned a lot. So we got to see what top debaters look like, how they practice and prepared. Um, what is really like, how do you collect evidence, um, why having a big team is helpful, because you can compile all the evidence together and work together collaboratively, um, as well as we got to experience and meet some really great mentors and coaches who have actually helped us after the camp as well.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that Harvard debate camp experience. so, uh, uh, what, what kind Did y'all do particular debate drills, or was it more just kind of watching what people do? Or was it lecture? Was it practical? How, how did that functionally work?
1: Yeah, so for the Harvard debate camp, um, during the time that we were doing it, uh, there were, you were grouped into basically tiers and it would be based on your skill level. And so for us, we're like, oh, we're basically novice. uh, And so we're new to debate. And with this group, you have a coach or mentor who would help you. And our coach was David Childry, who was the coach at American Heritage. And some of his uh, public forum debaters were actually top of the country. at that time where it would become uh, the top in the nation. Um, and then there'd be, yeah, there'd be drills. We'd have different lectures uh, come in talking about what kind of contentions to run or like how do you collect evidence? There'd be mock rounds at the end of the tournament. There was a tournament or at the end of the camp, there was a tournament. And, and so, yeah, we just had the full gamut of a, what a debate experience is like. Um, In addition to this being my first time just being away from home and living in a college campus. uh, So that was a huge part of it as well.
0: So then by the end of this week, you were really better prepared to go back in the next competitive season and start off fresh and knowing much more what you were up to then.
1: Absolutely. I thought that having that experience helped not just me and my partner, but also my school because I was able to bring back some of the wisdom. We're like, okay, these are the policies that we should be setting in place. This is how regimented our practices should be. Um, we need to find someone who actually has debate experience as a coach and then all these other things. Uh, because if we wanted to compete at a higher level, like qualify for TOC or uh, qualify for NSDA nationals, uh, that's what is needed.
0: So, you found the camp really was uh, almost a, a kickstart to what you were trying to do at, at Inload then.
1: Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. It was extremely helpful.
0: Now, I, I really got to debate kind of later in life. I, I discovered this game in college and really at the tail end of four years on the forensics side. And mm. I missed out on the whole camp experience. Did you keep going to camps each summer, or was it really kind of one time at camp, really gave you what you needed, and then it was more about regular practice, or did. Or can't, do, do you see camps as really necessary for ongoing development and debate?
1: Great. that's a, I'll start with the first question. Okay. So, unfortunately, my partner and I, we split up after our sophomore year. He attended NCSSM, which is the North Carolina School of Science and Math, for those who don't don't know. Um, and do we, I stayed no. at Enloe. And so because of that, we split. And for me, I didn't know anyone else who had the same type of PF experience as I did. And I didn't want to convert to LD. So I found a freshman to partner up with. So I was a junior at that time, more to like teach and mentor. Uh, but also I wanted to grow the team more than I guess compete uh, compl- uh, aggressively. And so for me... That first camp experience was partly because I just't wanted to know what was going on in the debate world, partly to get better at debate because I wanted to compete uh, at a higher level. and the summer after that, because I uh, split up with my partner, we I had kind of decided that I I guess I took a pause or I stopped going to camp.
0: okay. Uh, and looking back on that experience today, would you see that as probably being more normal for people, or would you say people really would benefit from going to camp each summer? What would you have, from, from that position of a few years later in life and more experience mm-hmm. down the road?
1: I think you can definitely benefit from, from camp every single summer. Uh, the reason being, let's say if I did go to camp between my sophomore and junior year, I would be placed in a different bucket in terms of debaters at the camp. So I'd be competing with people level and gaining experience that would take me to greater heights and so that'd be one reason the second is just the camaraderie of debate Mm. after going to that camp i was able to make friends with people from like california from florida people i wouldn't have met uh, without camp so it was great to be able to meet these type of people um and i guess lastly with this uh with this type of camp like let's say harvard because so many great instructors are there you get to build these great long-term relationships um, that extend even beyond your high school debate uh, experience and career.
0: Oh, those, those relationships are some of my favorite parts about being involved in the speech and debate world. I mean, it's amazing to be able to track with people over the years. Of course, we ended up connecting over Facebook because you're running your own camp of a sort at this point. Right. Tell us a bit about your camp that you're doing now, rather than the camp that you did years ago. What what camp are you running now, and how can that help people getting ready for NSDA Nationals?
1: Absolutely. So we're a three day online camp, actually, for Lincoln Douglas NSDA Nats qualifiers. So on the instructor side, we have two tremendous instructors leading the camp. One is Darius White who actually recently won the 2019 National University Debate Championship Tournament, and also Christian Kiroz, who was a co-cha- co-champion at Berkeley and Scarsdale. And so in addition to debating, they also have a lot of teaching experience, since they're also VBI instructors uh, mm-hmm. during the summer. And on the camp side, so on the qualifier side, we're focusing on making sure you're not only maintaining your skills uh, throughout this, I guess, throughout of tournaments, because from April to June, there are very few tournaments, uh, but also improving them specifically for the natural tournament. So we have uh, these five mock rounds, actually, for uh, any of the qualifiers who apply to this camp. And you're able to debate against other qualifiers. So, what better way to practice than with your peers? As well as for instructors, they're going to give lectures on the topics so of giving in-depth topic analysis as well as uh, several hours of drilling. So because it's an online camp or actually only because of it's because it's an online camp, can we actually have this type of experience where you have national debaters from all over the country work together to prepare for the national tournament in Dallas.
0: Well, that's really exciting. So where can people find your camp? What, what website would you direct them to?
1: Yeah. So I can put the link to the form uh, below on the, in the podcast description uh, to, if you, or if you're just listening to this, it's uh, tinyurlcom slash 2019 NSDA LD dash
0: Perfect. And uh, listeners will have that both in the show notes that'll be posted to our website. What's the And uh, as Albert just mentioned, there'll be, it'll also be in the show description. Now, uh, so Albert, give us a little bit of a teaser, if you would, about just what are your thoughts on this resolution about, let uh, make sure I get the wording right, the uh, violent <clears throat> revolution is a just response to political oppression. What are, what are what, what, What's your 30-second elevator pitch on your kind of analysis on that resolution? That's,
1: that's a great question. Um, so I think it requires a lot of historical context, um, because uh, I think as society grows, you get a sense of how groups of people are sort of form their own groups, um, subgroups within a larger nation or uh, whatever our community, depending on the scale. Um, and so, because of these different, um, I guess there will be different there'll be disagreements between beliefs, philosophies, uh, maybe even social economic uh, disparity. At some point. I guess, peaceful protests won't be enough and lawmaking won't be enough because there will be societal, uh, cultural uh, ways or reasons for uh, such actions that people are taking. And so at that point, the only way for your voice to get heard is through violence. And so I think that the AF would argue that this is just a natural state of being um that once to in order like age of ultron as a reference <laughs> the only way to achieve peace is through actually chaos and then i think the neg would argue that the, this would require or this would depend on some specific instance of or depending on the instance of the systematic oppression that violent violence would be needed or would not be needed
0: That's interesting. I think uh, we've done a couple other episodes that are really focusing on this resolution. One of those was a conversation with a communications Ph.D. student at UNC Chapel Hill, uh, Blake Faulkner. He was looking at uh, some of Nietzsche's concepts and how Nietzsche might be a helpful philosopher to really appeal to for this, uh, especially looking at, um, oh, I'm blanking on his, uh, uh, but he had a particular concept of resistance and revolution that would be helpful there. I uh, had another conversation with a friend who's a PhD student in international relations from Baylor university. And he was looking at really how Hobbes and Locke both become good, good voices to help with thinking through this resolution from both sides. Uh, and, in my conversation with, uh, with Nathan, we ended up getting on a long tangent on Malthusian theory uh by way of uh Avenger's Endgame. So I find your uh, reference to age of Ultron there uh' is pretty pretty helpful that's a, that's a <laughs> solid bit of analysis uh If only we could run cases uh based mostly on pop culture, but alas that's that's not the game um, yeah. well uh, hopefully that's you know, i'm really intrigued by some of the capacities that an online camp would have. Uh, how many students are you hoping to will, will enroll for this?
1: Yeah, so we because we have two instructors and we want a four to one student-instructor ratio, especially for the mock debates, and so that they can get real personal feedback, uh, we're capping our enrollment at 8. And so our application deadline is actually next Tuesday uh, on the 28th, so May 28th. And the camp itself is 155 dollars for 15 hours of intensive prep that includes the drilling, the mock debates, the feedback, uh, and and I think it's it's going to be great for those who came from a background like mine, where you have a small school, maybe you're the only debater who is even thinking about nationals because your school is small and you're also an overachiever, and uh, <laughs> because of that we want to help those students succeed. And I think this online camp really provides a platform for them to practice and get the uh, drilling and coaching that they would want to get better at and do better at nationals.
0: That's exciting. I I hope that you manage. I hope that you get your eight students and uh, that they do well. Well, Albert, you mentioned the school size a couple times now and that's, my school's in a similar position. And we're part of a growing network of private, uh, some classical, but mostly private schools that are looking to grow debate as part of the curriculum. So I'm curious if you have any advice for our students, uh, either in public forum or Lincoln Douglas. Uh, What what advice would you have for uh, students or to the schools as they're seeking to grow their programs?
1: Right, I think it's good to have a specialization in within. Uh, debate uh, events. So let's say within PF, if there's someone who's great at collecting evidence um, and writing answers tos or like managing the Dropbox, and then there's someone else who's really great at sort of thinking about the different contentions to run, um, thinking about how uh, the structure of a debate would go in terms of weighing the impact of. Uh, what you come to at the conclusion of debate. Um, so I think the specialization is important because then if you have new freshmen coming into debate, they have someone to go to to learn about these specific skills rather than they see, oh, you have to learn public forum, And that is a lot. That is, it, it seems very intimidating versus if you can break it down into, uh, oh, it's A and B and C, that's what really adds up to be public forum. It's a lot less intimidating and it's a lot easier for new debaters to say, hey, this is actually something I want to do and this is something that I can do.
0: Oh, that, that's a good thought. That's a very good thought because we're going to be – I'm going to be having a lot of brand new debaters next year and I'll be mm-hmm. – that's helpful. I'll kind of, that's a good idea to break it down into different pieces and to help each person kind of find their, their niche spot. Well, Mm -hmm. do help me with this. I mean, you you did debate in high school and uh, are now continuing to work with debate years later in in grad school. Why do you stick with it? Like, What is it about Mm -hmm. debate that somehow of all the things that you could be doing? I know earlier you told me that you've been one of your projects has been working on a a Chrome extension. uh, And Mm -hmm. so there's obviously lots of things that you're doing. You're in grad school at one of the most exciting research universities in the world. Mm -hmm. Of all the things that you could be doing, why still be connected with debate?
1: I think when I was, I guess when I was in high school and I did debate, it was fun and it was a place where I met a lot of friends. Um, but now that I'm older and I can reflect back upon the experiences I had during that time, I now realize how deeply it's impacted me in terms of my speaking ability, my ability for me to talk to a large audience without. Much fear. Uh, I think public speaking is something like there's some stats about public speaking, right? About like it's like the number one fear in the world or something. I've never had that somehow. And I think that's because of debate. Mm. And I think another thing is I want to sort of give back to the community and see how I can continually help this great event and great, uh, yeah, great event continue and grow within. High school high school students, and as I mentioned with this camp, we're really trying to find those really high achieving students from smaller schools who may not have as many resources, and providing them with the resource and platform to get better at uh, the
0: Well, fantastic, Albert! I wish you the best of luck, and hope that your camp is full. Uh, it's really exciting to hear that you are using all the new technological capacities to reach out and help people uh, become better at debate. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to another episode of What's the Res, an ongoing conversation about the current resolutions in the world of high school debate. My name is Josh Herring. I'm a debate coach and humanities instructor at Thales Academy in Rollsville, North Carolina. My guest uh, this episode has been Albert Fing, a longtime debater and now a grad student at Stanford University and head of uh, the camp that if you are a Lincoln-Douglas qualifier for NSDA Nationals, then you should definitely check out the camp linked in our show notes and, and in the show description. And we wish you the best of luck at Nats 2019. Until next time. Speak well, work hard, and seek truth.